Welcome to All Teas Everywhere. Don't fix my hair wig. Can we redo that? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, okay. Just one time. One time. One time. One time. Okay. Three, two, one. Welcome, welcome to All Teas Everywhere. Welcome to All Teas Everywhere. I'm Lucas. I'm Andrea. I'm Tony. I'm Chloe. I'm Margarita. And I'm Leroy. Today we'll be talking about current events. So let's Who would like the to first start? I guess we can go like right to left or left to right. Let's you ready? Left to right. Left to right? Left okay. Left to right, okay. Well, what I saw is just yesterday, there was a bust of eight men who were running a fentanyl ring in Fort Worth, and just the officers who collected it got 94 grams of fentanyl, 57 grams of methamphetamine, and nine firearms. One is a ghost firearm. For those who don't know, it's you know privately manufactured, so they can't trace where it's made. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I thought we'd just kind of talk about you know the outbreak of fentanyl in Dallas, how you know, how much it's expanded in just the past few, you know, months and just the effect it's had on people. So, um, that kind of reminds me of when we had a lady, Chloe, I don't know if you remember this, but at our meeting, we had a lady come to us about, like, from the city of Dallas looking to find ways to, like, reach youth about fentanyl and, um, find ways to, like, market to our audience because of the rising fentanyl overdoses. And I believe they were doing some workshops to parents about that, but I recently read that they passed, um, like, Narcan, like, now you can buy it, um, mm. which is, like, a complete, like, 180 that completely changes the game for overdoses and could definitely, like, ch like it could save lives if it was more available to the public. Mm. Um, for us, we received a 45-minute-long video oh, about, uh, yep. yeah, uh, fentanyl and its um, effect on... Um, teens right and it was like really like disheartening like our teacher it was like a, bi a biology teacher and Mr. um but anyways um our biology teacher pretty much like had shown this video like each period and each period she cried during it because there was like a point in which the um like the maker of the uh, documentary was talking to the parents of those who had lost their um their their son or daughter to, you know, um, this addiction. So it was like, at, like at first, I didn't really think much of it. Uh, I didn't really know much about it. But after that, that documentary, it hit hard. So, uh, you know. Yeah, and I feel like a big part of the problem is that a lot of people don't know how harmful it can be. Just a trace amount in fentanyl, in a pill, in anything can be deadly. It can lead to an overdose even at the, you know, that first pill, even at that first taste. So it's it's an extremely, extremely dangerous thing going around. And I know the city of Dallas does have a lot of great initiatives too. Like um, we just had a fentanyl strike force that went out that, you know, is working on educating people uh, and fighting back against it. And I've seen a lot of great movement, but a lot of people, they just don't understand how dangerous it can be to, you know, take a pill from a stranger that just says, you know, hey, this is, you know, just some common drug when really it's laced. And even the person giving it to their friend to selling it to somebody may not even know that it's laced. It, you know, it's just, it's so far spread that it's it's a very, very big danger, especially in Dallas right now, since mm -hmm. it's so, so prevalent. Yeah, and I know, like, in terms of, like, law, I know recently they made an effort to make it to where if someone were to give you a drug laced with fentanyl, 
it would be considered a poisoning because of the fact that like the person is aware that the drug is in there and so that makes us where we're holding people accountable for placing these drugs and giving these like but at the same time i know that you mentioned that like sometimes the people that give it to you like let's say from friend to friend they don't even know because it's just like it's not something that you can really test for unless you have the test strips and stuff like mm-hmm. that and they don't have that very accessible to people because mm-hmm. i understand the fact that like I know, like, when we were talking to the people with um, the fentanyl that were trying to start the campaign, and you're like, oh, what if we put fentanyl testing strips, like, available to schools? But the problem with that is it comes off as them advertising the use of drugs, and I know that's something that they're not trying to do. But at the same time, would you rather, like, have it available and have it to where you're preventing those deaths related to fentanyl or not have it available and then have a student on campus over, like, die because of it? Like. Yeah, like, on the topic of that, like, schools think if they give um, Narcan and they make it easily accessible for students to get, it is going to encourage students to do drugs, which, like, me personally, I don't see the correlation because nobody wants to overdose. Now, the people who are going to take it maybe already do drugs. It'll just prevent them from dying, which, at the end of the day, if you can't stop them from doing drugs, at least you can stop them from overdosing and essentially killing themselves. Which, would you rather save a life, or would you, like, maybe, like, think about the negative outcomes of what you're doing, mm-hmm. when the positives clearly outweigh the negatives in this scenario? Yeah, because there are many people in high school that are already addicted to drugs, and so they're getting drugs either way, might as well ensure that they're not laced with fentanyl. And there was this, like, um, going argument and discussion about it, uh, where it was like, um, is there, I don't remember what the, certain, the specific words were, but it was like between either um, kind of like uh, abstinence, so it's like kind of like just stopping, just saying like, no, don't do that, or um, should we teach them a safer way to use those drugs while also um, uh, having that um, like abstinence with it? Like we can do both. I think that what schools should do is they should have an abstinence um, movement where it's like, okay, don't do drugs, but if you're in a situation where you um you are right uh, because you can't like just because you told someone not to do something doesn't mean they're not going to do it. But um, whenever you get in a situation where you are taking those drugs, this is a safe way to um, kind of know what you're taking and kind of get out of that situation as quick as possible. Because whether or not it influences you to take drugs, the one that saves the life it matters more. It doesn't matter. Um, so like I think that um, I agree that. Um, that's something, that's a step that schools should, should take. Yeah, because there's a, I guess, a program, like, Say No to Drugs, like, this whole red uh, program. I forgot what it's called. Yeah. I think it's just called yeah, it's just yeah. Say No to Drugs. Yeah. Um, but I remember, like, in middle school when we were doing all that, um, like, kids would just laugh at it, like, oh, ha, ha, yeah. I would never do that. But, and then now there's kids actually doing it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I just, I, I totally mm-hmm. like, teach, like, the kids, at least ha- a safe way to use it rather than like mm-hmm. saying no, don't do it. And also, like kids may be more inclined to buy the fentanyl ones if they aren't educated about it because um, it's cheaper. Like you can't tell the difference. They'll lie to you or say it's no different than the like normal drug that like they see all their friends taking. Mm-hmm. And then, so with that, and school is stressful, man. Like, come on mm-hmm. now. Like we have to make. Um, a lot of tough decisions. <laughs> <laughs> um, whoa, whoa, whoa. It is. 
Um, it's, it, you have to make a lot of tough decisions, and I think that that's the reason why a lot of people fall into mm -hmm. um, those, those, those gray areas. So mm -hmm. um, I think that another way that um, we can kind of like um, de uh, incentivize people from taking drugs is teachers, please play it, like play it off, like, like chill out a little bit. Cause like it's, <laughs> it's crazy, but. So focusing on mental health? Yeah, focusing yeah. on mental health, yeah. And yeah, the great thing about those things like Narcan and Naloxone is that you can just have it in a nurse's office and that yeah. students don't even necessarily have to know that's there, but just having that on campus so that if somebody does mm -hmm. have an overdose, yeah. just having it there could save lives, mm -hmm. could save, you know, I'm pretty sure hundreds have already died in Dallas alone from fentanyl. So it, it could just be such a strong preventative measure, measure that, you know, even if a kid takes fentanyl, they don't deserve to die of an overdose. Exactly. So it could it could really just help save so many lives by just having it stocked in some schools. And not even that, I feel like it saves the school, like, I guess, as well, because it's just like, how does it look to be like a school where a student dies on your campus, on campus. because you, they were using drugs and you had no, I, like, no way to help them, because it's like, it's a um, split second, it's a moment of matter, like a student does drugs maybe in the bathroom or somewhere else on campus, like outside of the campus, but still like in close vicinity and you have no measure to help that student. And so you just have to what, just let them die when in reality, you don't want to be put, you don't want to put your campus on that situation and no adult wants to put a student in a situation where they're going to be put in danger and they have no way to help. But it's like, if there's clearly this really like, there's this accessible um, preventative measure, why don't you take it? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, why? Because you think that, it's the same thing with um, schools not wanting to put condoms in school, mm -hmm. where it's like, oh, well, kids, we don't want to promote sex. But the thing is, at the end of the day, a lot of kids in high school are having sex. Mm -hmm. And so would you rather have them be healthy and safe, or would you rather them put themselves in danger because mm -hmm. you don't want to look like you're promoting something, or you don't want to worry about the backlash that you may receive mm -hmm. from some people being like, oh, schools are indoctrinating our students, mm -hmm. when in reality, you're doing what's best for those students' interests and what's best for their health. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people that claim that, oh, school is indoctrinating students, they don't really realize that, in reality, these measures are going to help make school a better place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, like, students are already <coughs> having sex. They're not, like, having condoms there isn't going to change that. Yeah. Or not having condoms there, it's not going to change how they behave. Yeah. Um, like, some girl at my school, she got pregnant, like, before prom last year. Like, there are a lot of pregnancies in public schools because they don't have access to that kind of preventative yeah. or contraceptive. And I think even, it's kind of weird to think about, but even pushing that, like, really early on in high school, even middle school, in sixth grade, we had a pregnancy where a kid tried to use a fingertip of a glove and it broke. And so even having that education of contraceptive use and of safe sex, even as early as, you know, when kids are starting to hit puberty, I mean, in middle school, yeah. could help, you know, just be life-changing. So I really think that's like, that's great to get out there, you know, these preventative measures that schools are kind of afraid that it might promote these, these drugs or sex or these habits that they don't want to kind of have in their image. Mm. are life-changing each single if it's naloxone if it's condoms if it's even like period products all these things are so you know important to have and i feel like image shouldn't get in the way of a life exactly so, and what i was gonna say like what to add on to that it's like they're acting as if media doesn't already promote these issues and would you rather a be have it to where 
schools are promoting if you're gonna have sex, make sure that you're protecting them, so that you're healthy. Or would you rather them have sex be promoted to them in a negative light where there's not a lot of education around it? Or the same thing with the drugs. Drugs are being promoted to them to people that are taking the drugs that don't even know much about the drugs themselves. Or would you rather schools come in and be like, hey, don't do drugs. But if you do do drugs, be aware that some drugs are laced with fentanyl. And these are things that you can do to prevent, like if you happen to ingest a drug that contains fentanyl, this is what you do to prevent yourself from overdosing, like stuff like that, or this is measures to prevent it. Would you rather that happen or like just then learn from someone else and face the negative repercussions because mm -hmm. they've been influenced by someone that didn't educate them? Exactly. Mm. All right, and so with that being said, we're moving on to our next part of it. Okay. So um, I think that uh, one of the most like important things happening right now has to do with banning books, mm -hmm. um, especially mm -hmm. in Florida. There's been a lot of issues with Florida education system as a whole, but banning books has been one of the ones like affecting youth in the forefront, especially like younger generations, younger generations in libraries. So before I kind of like delve on the topic of banned books, I was seeing if you guys wanted to play a little game. Lucky. To see, I'm gonna read you some books. I'm gonna say some names out loud, and you guys have to tell me whether these books are banned or not. Mm -hmm. So let me get the list. One sec. Okay, this is longer than a sec. <laughs> Promise y'all, it's getting there. Okay, so. We ready? Yeah. yeah. Okay, the first one is Anne Frank's Diary. Not banned. Probably not banned. banned? Not banned. Not banned. Okay, not I'm sensing banned. more not banned. Yeah. Okay, Ain't Assassination no. Classroom. Definitely banned. 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 <laughs> okay, Drama, the graphic novel. Banned. 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 I, 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 I know that's banned. Banned. Yeah, banned. Yes. Okay. banned. I am not your Mexican daughter. Banned. banned. Definitely banned. 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 Okay, <laughs> dang. Um, it's perfectly normal. Changing bodies. Banned. Okay. Um, little black book for girls. Not banned. Little rock nine. Not banned. Okay. You don't know. <clears throat> Chloe, if you'd like to briefly explain. Oh, Little Rock Nine is basically like a very important event in civil rights history. Oh, so banned. if it banned. was banned, <laughs> that would be a bit concerning. So, okay, yeah. let's see. My Hero Academia. Banned. Not banned. Banned. There's no way. Banned. No way. That's banned. My Hero Academia. Y'all, everyone's favorite red, white, and royal blue. Banned. <laughs> you were yeah. enthusiastic for that one. What? Yes, that's okay. banned. I'm okay. Okay. Right. I'm actually not really. Hmm? Why is it banned? It's uh, it's about uh, it's about gay people. Yeah, it's yeah. that's why it's banned. Yeah. No, I maybe it's not. You don't know. Ready Player One. <laughs> no, that's not, not banned. banned. That's not banned. I know about that not one. Banned. Okay. <laughs> the Handmaid's Tale. Banned. Probably banned. Okay. Yeah. The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Not banned. That's banned. Uh. Okay. Thirteen Reasons Why. Banned. Banned. Oh, no. Two boys kissing. Banned. <laughs> okay. You two, 25 voices share their Me Too story. Banned. 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 Yeah. Okay, we I have five more. To Kill a Mockingbird. Banned. banned. Not banned. Not banned. Not, I, not banned. No, because my school read it like two years ago. Yeah, some people. Well, well it's, it's important. Yeah. Um, oh, well, banned. now, no, no, no. 
booked in the United States as oh. a whole. Oh, uh, now, now we switched, y'all. Florida, now, we now we're to the United States. To Kill a Mockingbird. No, not, not banned. Not banned. Of Mice and Men. Not banned, because High School read it last read year. Lord of the Flies. Not, not banned, because that's like a show. Okay. Fahrenheit 451. Not banned. <laughs> not banned. <laughs> the Catcher in the Rye. Not banned. Banned. Not banned. banned? Okay. Banned. So, out of this entire list that I just read, every book is banned. What? What? Everything. No, oh, wait. What? Even what? the ones that you read in school, those books are banned. What? Hmm. Wait, but that's ironic, because Fahrenheit 451 yeah. is about then, books. Yeah. books. Yeah. <laughs> So this kind of just goes to show the flaws in our education system and our focus on erasing not only culture, discrimination, sexual assault, but also puberty and like growing bodies and yeah. teaching people about health. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was crazy. Thoughts? I just think it's crazy, like, the purity one, like, it kind of reminded me of this story where this girl, this young girl that was in school, had a book taken away that her mom had gave her that was related to purity and just basically, like, the experience of girls growing up. I remember also having a book like that as well. Is it the American Girl one? Yes, it's oh the American God, Girl one. Yes, I that one too. <laughs> and it's just crazy that they see it as inappropriate when in reality this is something students should be taught because it's an experience that everyone goes through. Mm -hmm. And so to be like, oh, this is inappropriate for school, then like, what is appropriate for school? And then also exactly. those yeah. other books that were banned, it's like the books that we read in school to me, it's like those are critical parts of English literature, yeah. and so to not include them is just like you're kind of promoting overall. Like, what is the list of books that are not banned are going to become smaller and smaller than the books that are banned, and so it's just like now you're going to see school libraries that have like mm -hmm. practically only five books in their library mm -hmm. because they're afraid of having this to where having other people's perspectives because they're trying to save a certain group of people. Yeah from looking like yeah. the bad guy or yeah. it's just like in reality everyone's perspective should be heard and that's how we become a more tolerable society mm -hmm. and so it's just like hmm. what are y'all what are y'all on what are y'all banning <laughs> yeah. and when they ban books like this it's kind of promoting homophobia racism mm -hmm. all these yeah. things where like like making it impossible for people to read perspective perspectives of different people yes. and understand what they're going through mm -hmm. Um, that reminds me, sorry to interrupt, but if anybody remembers, like, when Ted Cruz, like, was in Congress and he, like, pulled out this book. Yeah. Oh, my God, what was that? Does anybody remember? I don't remember the book, but I remember the situation. I remember, like, the question. Okay, can you, can you like, preface that? Because I feel like that has a lot to do with our topic. So, Blood went into the, like, the Congress hall and he, I think he was talking about, um, like, certain books that are, that are uh, specifically harmful um, to, um, like, the population, like, certain populations, um, I think... Um, uh, here in the South, and he took out a book and was showing like an example of uh, a book that is uh, specifically harmful. Don't remember the specific like book or what, like in what context it was um, uh, like dangerous, uh, but uh, it was seen as a uh, like uh, as a danger uh, to to um, his people, quote unquote. And it, it ended up being, like, from what I remember, it was, like, a children's book. Yeah. Was so it anti-racist reading? I think so. That's what it was. And then he was, like, children mm -hmm. should not be reading this. Yeah. The, the, this is, like, um, hurting white people or something. Yeah, and, and that also what? spurred, like, a huge conversation about, um, like, teaching controversial issues in, um, uh, like, his, uh, history classes. Mm -hmm. And um, 
uh, I had actually had um, a few discussions about this, and it was that whenever we have everybody's perspective on a certain thing, it takes away from the education of that mm. event. That was the biggest argument on their side. But um, that's, that, that isn't true. And even so, I think that those controversial issues are literally what make up the, 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 like the raw concepts of that thing, right? The material, the, like the materiality of that thing, that uh, event literally spurs from controversial issues. From uh, the, they wanted to take out uh, the idea of like Confederate states thinking like like uh, the the premise of why Confederate states are Confederate states. They wanted to say that Confederate states were fighting for states' rights instead of the um, uh, the keeping right. of slaves. That is crazy. Um, yeah. So yeah. those things are discussions that we that are critical to have in the in in like the classroom, and I don't think that. Um, banning those books allows us to do that. Um, they make those things worse. And like, oh, what I was gonna say is like to expand on the idea of like being afraid to teach like history in terms of different perspectives is just like it's insane to me because when I first walked into my world history class, um, one of the first things that we did was we watched a like video from um, I forgot what the time period was, but it was during the Great Depression. And basically, it was a video talking about all the different perspectives of people when the Great Depression first started and mm -hmm. when people weren't allowed to get the money out of the banks because all the banks had gone, like, they, they just didn't yeah. give the money to them. Mm -hmm. And so then our teacher, like, comes in and he stops playing the video and he's like, did you guys realize anything? Like, did you guys notice anything? Who's missing from this video? And he was like, and everyone was like, oh, well, there were no people of color. Mm -hmm. And he was like, and there was no, like, black people, even though black were Americans were also very affected by mm -hmm. the Great Depression because a lot of the times, especially, and on top of that, it didn't depict anyone of low income already. And so it didn't show how, because of the fact that these people were already low income, being in that experience, experiencing the Great Depression only perpetuated that experience and made it worse. And so he's like, the importance of perspectives really puts into, like, gives you knowledge, I guess, as to what those people really experienced and what it was really like. And without having these different perspectives of history, you can't fully know the magnitude of an event. Mm. Like, it's just like, for example, with the founding of America, you can't really understand, like, how America was established if you don't bring in the fact that America was heavily built on slave labor mm -hmm. and so it's like if you try to curb around that or that america was belonged to native americans before colonizers came over here if you don't talk about these issues then you're looking at history with only half of it's like when you cover your eye and you're trying to read yeah, looking, the letters on when yeah. your doctor's giving you an eye exam you're only looking at it from like half of a lens you can't mm. really understand the magnitude of events and so it's just like I feel like it's crazy to be like, oh, well, you can't teach that right. America was racist because it's going to hurt people's feelings. Right. And it's just like, well, if you're feeling hurt about something like racism, then maybe that's a little self-reflection that you need to take mm -hmm. to kind of be like, why do I feel this way about this issue? Because at the end of the day, if you claim to not be discriminatory or not racist, then you should be willing to acknowledge those issues and see what you can do and what other people can do and what we can do as a society to like go beyond the issues that we face mm -hmm. and how to make society better as a whole. Mm -hmm. Like it takes a little bit of self-reflection and accountability that a lot of people lack and a lot of politicians lack. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like when we do take that step to kind of hold ourselves accountable in terms of history and events like that, 
then we can make that step forward. But when we ban books, we're being ignorant and we're not really facing the root issue. We're just trying to like curve it or like throw a cover, sweep it under the rug. Mm-hmm. But on the topic of uh, cultural erasure, uh, you were talking about how uh, they don't want to teach racism because it hurts certain groups' feelings, which reminds me of Florida's curriculum about um, PragerU, PragerU, and about, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but it was like the viral saying about erasing the fact that Rosa Parks was like told to go sit on the back Mm -hmm. of the bus because like there were racist people who told her to go sit in the back of the bus and then it went viral and then they fixed their curriculum but the fact that that was already there and not only so but they're not only perpetuating stereotypes then but they have like videos on like the colonization of america and frankly they're very pro-colonizer they don't address the fact that there was like great amounts of indigenous genocide they don't address the fact that these people quite literally like pushed out natives from their homes and it's like, why can't you just teach what really happened? Like, you want to shield these kids from the truth, but at the end of the day, like, that's what they need to know. Right. So you have to, like, think about why are you doing this? Because I personally, I would want to know the truth. So why are we not learning the truth? Mm-hmm. And then, what is it? Oh. oh, and, like, going off, like, all your points, like, for as diverse as a country as we are, it's crazy how much people push the straight cis white man's narrative like they like people go and they like push this narrative that only reflects like a small percentage of the people who actually represent our country and then what is it called what andre was saying like they're trying to hide it from all these kids to keep them safe and secure they're gonna find it either way there's social media going around and then yeah you're banning these books but they're gonna find a way to find it Mm -hmm. like okay like Y'all said that these ban- these books were banned, right, Andrea? Mm-hmm. But yet you're still reading yeah. them in school. Mm-hmm. They're gonna find a way to find all this information. You can't protect them forever. Yeah, and to add on to that, I feel like there's an, a value of teaching these ex- events. Like for example, it's like to the black kid, no, like learning, like black children should learn about their history and should feel represented in their history classes. But also, I know like me, I'm part of digi- indigenous and I never learned about the genocide like the mass genocide that was done upon Native Americans, even past the era of colonization, like Native Americans being pushed towards reservations and even the lives that they live on reservations not being on par with just any type of living conditions, like them not having access to clean water, to not having access to higher education as a whole. And it's just like, it doesn't make sense why large groups of people are being impacted by things that because that happened during history but you don't want to talk about it because you're afraid of someone who benefited from this and like or whose ancestors not or even now that benefit from those things that happened in history is just like yeah banning books is the beginning of well not even then it was the beginning of education censorship and by banning books you're telling these school districts, you're telling these, even universities, you're telling these groups of people that you cannot teach certain material, even though it's well within our right to learn about it. So, like, why are you banning? I'm still so confused as to why you have to ban certain topics when, at the end of the day, like, if you want to fo- foster cultural diversity, 
if you want to make sure that people are educated, if you want to build a better society and learn from the mistakes of the past, why aren't you teaching our generations what we need to know to make sure this doesn't happen again? And it's like, mm. if you don't learn about history, you're doomed to repeat it. So by banning these books and banning the education of these events, you're cursing the whole, like, you're cursing, like, these events to happen. If you don't want these to happen again, then you should do your best to educate everyone on what did happen in order to prevent it in the future. Yeah. Also, um, they've uh, banned uh, certain, well, they've kind of painted certain arguments uh, and, like, uh, critical arguments. Uh, like, the there's a, there's a critical argument that we talk about called Afro-pessimism. Uh, that specifically talks about the reason behind why uh, anti-blackness exists. Uh, and it's done by someone called Frank Wilderson III. And he talks about the um, social death and why black people uh, specifically uh, face this social death because they've been, um, they've, uh, they're, they've been subjected to blackness ever since the Middle Passage. But because of uh, certain um, state laws, that book is not, uh, that is not widely read and it is not painted uh, very, it's not, it's not like seen as a really good thing to study uh, because it's a critical framework that some people look at uh, in college. And um, it's really very serious, I've read it, and it's like, it's, it's deep because it talks to you and the experiences that you specifically experience and why those experience, act, like why those experiences actually happen to you. Because most of the time, you know, you'll sit around and be like, why, why is this happening? it gives like a full explanation of why that's happening and it puts you in situations. Uh, it, it, it gives you different scenarios that uh, kind of um, conceptualize those things for you. And the fact that those things are banned um, stop our ability from understanding why certain things are happening to us and why those certain things affect us. So like not learning about slavery and those things uh, within school and in places of pedagogy where you're supposed to be taught those things make um, people who are obviously disadvantaged within the um, society think that everything is fine. Whenever they get into society, they get hit with the truth that they are they are disadvantaged, right? Um, like living your whole life naive and then going into the real world within that naiveness gives you a different like it gives you like a very different perspective on life, and it makes you feel that life is unfair, and it is, but it hits you in a completely different manner because you've already, your developmental stage has already passed. You can no longer learn those things. And now that you're in a position that you're kind of forced to learn those things because the world is, is, is obviously against you, it, um, it definitely takes a toll on a lot of people. And I think that learning about uh, these issues are very important. And yeah, I think a big part of it is that, you know, by banning these books, they're kind of also banning you know, children's understanding of these ideals of like how racism and sexism or homophobia have been like a big part of history and how many people it's harmed. And instead of learning about, you know, why, you know, you shouldn't be racist, why, you know, at, you know, you're, you see kind of the internet, it spreads those more extremist ideals mm -hmm. and those more, you know, hateful yeah, ideals yeah, yeah. rather than those ideals that you might learn from a book that might talk about, you know, somebody's experience and you know a young kid can say hey I've had that similar experience and just kind of fight against those you know inevitable things of you know racism or homophobia that in all honesty kids probably do see on the internet no matter what so I feel like in a way by banning these books you're taking away the force that's going against the instruction of racism and homophobia and of these 
you know, harmful ideals to all these people who are different than one, and instead replacing it with, you know, extremism that you can see on the internet or even for some people through extremely, you know, harmful households who have these, you know, ideals that people different than them are harmful or should be, you know, feared. And so I feel like in a way it's kind of taking away the the force fighting against these ideals that with, you know, the age of the internet, probably every child is eventually going to see mm -hmm. at some time in their developmental stage. Yeah. And so um, because we've talked about really two and like really two very impactful issues, we only have one more time, what time for one more current event. So we're going to talk about Leroy. Okay. So what do you guys think education? Um, good question. What do you oh. think it is? Yeah. <laughs> I think education Ooh. is the learning of subjects that you don't know much about or yeah. teaching things that need to be learned. Mm -hmm. I call it like the acquisition of knowledge that is needed in one's life. Mm -hmm. So that I know I'm like, <laughs> okay. because even things like like math or science that like, you know, people always say, What am I gonna use calculus for? Oh yeah, Loki. Oh, it's yeah. education isn't always about that one specific thing. It's about those skills that come with that. Like calculus, you might think of problem solving, you might think of critical thinking. And those are all skills that are very needed in the real life. So to me it may not exactly be about let's say you're going to a major for computer science. It may not always be learning that language. It's about learning those skills that come with it that will eventually carry on so that somebody can be successful in their life. All right. Adding, oh, what yeah, I was going to say, adding on to what Luca said, I really feel like education is the cultivation of the future. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times, we're, education necessarily may not always <coughs> be about getting the highest test score, mm -hmm. making sure that you fully grasp like all of the subjects or all of these complex subjects of math and science but it can be about making sure and developing these students to become better people and to become functioning members of society. And I feel like when educators take that mindset of necessarily, I don't have to teach you how to be a mathematician, but instead I'm going to teach you how to be able to productively have a conversation with someone mm -hmm. when you disagree with them. Or I'm gonna teach you, like for example, like when with math, how to manage your money sometimes, because I know I've had math teachers that will take what we're learning and apply it to math, like to finances and stuff like that. All right, so see how none of them talked about emotional intelligence. Ooh. So, uh, <laughs> um, so whenever it comes to education, education from comes from the Latin word educe, which means to bring out, to bring out. So with education, uh, we never talk about our, you know, emotions and uh, emotional illness. Uh, I know all these kids over here, you know, intelligent. Uh, people can tell you that they have been stressed at some point in school. And I think that school gives you a lot of things, right? Um, education actually may not be one of them. Um, whenever school gives you all these subjects and things you have to learn about, they never actually teach you how to deal with them emotionally and how to manage your time specifically. So there was a study done here in Texas that showed that most of our, uh, most of most students that go to schools, especially in Dallas ISD, have they might have really good test scores, but they have like horrible emotional intelligence. And it's true. Um, I think that it's something that we need to actually focus on because we are not actually spurring education here. Education is to, to bring out, bring, um, and there was a school that practiced a new um, so, uh, social uh, emotional um, program that kind of pushed people to um, learn more. And it was actually done in, a, uh, in an elementary school where uh, these students took the math test 
I know you guys are all familiar with that. And <laughs> instead of dreading the math test after it, which I normally do, instead they actually liked it because they did certain things throughout the test to um, kind of uh, actually spur education rather than like taking information and regurgitate it on the test. Mm -hmm. So what they did was they would take certain breaks during the test and have um, uh, breathing sessions. Sounds kind of weird, but yeah, they did. They had breathing sessions and then they also had a segment where they talked about what they wanted to. They talked to their peers about what happened on the test when it was done. Normally after a test, you're told not to talk about it. But with um, whenever it comes to like um, dealing with emotional health, talking to someone else about a stressful situation is key to um, alleviating that social pressure. So what they did was all these students were put in a situation where they took the test and they all talked about it. And right after it, every single student told their teacher that they loved the test. Nobody likes tests. <laughs> but that was a way to um, kind of spur a moment in which people actually focused on the on people's emotional health rather than um, if someone knows something or not because your intelligence is your intelligence isn't based off of a test score but mm -hmm. one of you know actually being able to express your opinions in a way that everybody else can understand I agree and I think um, emotional intelligence intelligence is very very important and crucial to actually learning mm -hmm. Because so many people suffer from mental illness, like depression, anxiety, that prohibits their like learning and stops them from studying. And if they were able to keep up with their emotional intelligence, school would mu be much easier. They wouldn't have to stress as much, and they would learn things quicker. I definitely feel like if we had like either time to like, well, first of all, I feel like if we had learned how to cope with stress, everyone at our school would be way more happy because. <laughs> I feel like there, there's a culture of you have to work hard and play hard, mm -hmm. but you never have time to rest. Yeah. Like, we have a thing called the tag triangle, and it's friends, sleep, school, and you can't have all three, so you have to pick two, and nobody picks sleep. So it's like you have to – we don't learn how to prioritize ourselves. We don't learn how to focus on our emotions. We don't know how to, like, outlet those emotions in a healthy manner. We use unhealthy coping mechanisms, and at the end of the day – we're mentally drained, we're physically drained, and that might even like impact our academic performance. So while we're getting smarter, we're actually like regressing. Mm. Yeah. So also the thing that you mentioned about talking at the end of the test, that is a life changer. Like when you have conversations with people about an assessment you just took, and all of you are confused about the same thing. Oh, it, it feels so good. You, it, like, oh. it is the biggest stress relief. Right. Yeah. So you're yeah. talking about answers, and you're like, I got six for A. Oh, my God, me too, period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it fosters, like, a healthy testing environment. It gets rid of that competitiveness, and it makes you learn from yeah. other people. Yeah. Yeah, a big culture I've seen in a lot of academia is that you have to sacrifice mental health for academic performance, mm -hmm. especially in those talented programs like you're talking about that require so much from a student that a lot of the times you don't have time to just, you know, you know, take a nap if you need more sleep to sit back and meditate or to just think with, you know, sit there with your thoughts because you're constantly just going, going, going and you never have time to stop and slow down. Mm -hmm. And so I really think it's important for, you know, students, especially with education to kind of learn about, you know, you know, programs, if they want to be in one of those talented programs, you know, take on that course load, but also at the same time, it's equally as important to learn that 
you know, your life is an education and you shouldn't, you know, sacrifice your mental health to become depressed, burnt out, extremely anxious. That's not worth that, you know, academic performance that you should always have part of your mind set out for mental health while you can perform well also. And kind of in my mind, the perfect education is one where students are happy and growing in that yeah. it's that fusion yeah. of mental health and that fusion yeah. of academic performance. I think that was like kind of good to end on. Yeah, that is a perfect yeah. note to end on. That's a really good end Hold on, let's give us now. Right. <laughs> okay. Please. And so, guys, make sure to stay tuned into the next episodes that we put out. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Yoko underscore Dallas, right? Yes, and mm-hmm. on TikTok and on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, we hope we ate. Bye! Bye.